Have you ever read the Roe v. Wade decision of the Supreme Court from 1973? Or Planned Parenthood v. Casey from 1992? Chances are most Americans haven't. Even those responsible for what we read, see, and hear in the media. But if you read the newly issued Dobbs decision in which a majority of Supreme Court justices overruled Roe, you'll get deep and wide coverage of the most important points of abortion law in America for at least the last 50 years, and what led to turning it back to the states now. I'm Sheila Lagminas. You're in the Forum. I've been otherwise occupied for a while, but nothing like a major sweeping historic Supreme Court decision that I have personally covered and engaged for decades to get me back in the forum again to engage along with you what's happening to and in our country. So leaving aside for now the Roe and Casey opinions, since the most important parts are contained within the Dobbs opinion of this June 24th, overturning Roe, Roe and Casey, let's look at what that decision said, since much or most of the media spending so much time on it haven't seemingly done much homework on what exactly it says. No matter what you think of the issues or issue involved, we all do well to be well-informed. So we know what we're talking about, and in some cases, activating and even agitating about. That's a basic premise of any good debate. Define terms, starting with the thing, with what the thing is that you're debating and how it was meant to work in the first place, and go from there. Incidentally, in my book, Non-Negotiable Essential Principles of a Just Society and Humane Culture, of several years ago, I opened the preface saying this, We the people are losing our ability to think clearly or reason well. We are largely unable to have civil discourse and have virtually lost the art of argument. We no longer even have a common language with the moral grammar of our founders and so on. I cite presidents, prelates, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., feminist authors who did or did not believe firmly in abortion but acknowledge their mistakes. Scholars, authors, and media experts all in my book, all in service of clarity with charity and human dignity. I have a lot to cover and say about the coverage in days, weeks, and months to come because we're going to have months at the very least of tension and contention in this country over the issue and laws of abortion. We need to be informed when we engage, and we have to engage. So let's take kind of a quick look at just the first part of the Dobbs decision, and it's far more readable to non-legal wonks than many people may think it would be. At the opening of Dobbs, in just the syllabus alone, the very beginning of the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization Supreme Court ruling from Friday, June 24th, in just that syllabus opening alone, it says this, the nature of the court's error. This is the beginning of the syllabus. It says, like the infamous decision in Plessy versus Ferguson, Roe was also egregiously wrong and on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided. Casey perpetuated its errors, calling both sides of the national controversy to resolve their debate. But in doing so, Casey necessarily declared a winning side. Those on the losing side, those who fought to advance the state's interest in fetal life, could no longer seek to persuade their elected representatives to adopt policies consistent with their views, says the prelude, the syllabus, 
to the Dobbs decision put forward by Justice Alito. He, he goes on to say the court short-circuited the democratic process by closing it, the Roe court, short-circuited the democratic process by closing it to the large number of Americans who disagreed with Roe. True that. Short-circuited the whole democratic system we have in our states because it was in all 50 states at that point. That was just the very beginning of the syllabus. Then it goes on to say the quality of the reasoning. What about that? And this is, again, a syllabus before it gets into the actual long ruling. So it says, without any grounding, without any grounding in the constitutional text, history, or precedent, Roe imposed on the entire country a detailed set of rules for pregnancy, divided into trimesters, much like those one might expect to find in a statute or regulation. So what he means by that is what you might expect in a regulation like a not a court ruling, but a legislative ruling. He writes, Roe's failure even to note the overwhelming consensus of state laws in effect back then is striking. And what is said about the common law is simply wrong. Then the opinion spent many paragraphs, the Roe opinion, conducting the sort of fact-finding that might have been undertaken by a legislative committee, again, not a court ruling, and did not explain why the sources on which it relied shed light on the meaning of the Constitution, which it should have done. As to precedent, citing a broad array of cases, that court, the Roe Court, found support for a constitutional, quote, right of personal privacy. But Roe, he writes, conflated the right to shield information from disclosure and the right to make and implement important personal decisions without government interference. Conflated the two. None of these decisions, it says Dobbs' syllabus, none of these decisions involved what is distinctive about abortion its effect on what Roe termed potential life. Life is life. But that gets back to the blob of tissue. Well, it's potential life down the road at some point in time and arbitrary and all that. We'll get into that. But right in here in the syllabus, he sets it up. Roe termed it potential life. So, so says the syllabus continues. When the court summarized the basis for the scheme it imposed on the country, and that's the exact word, it asserted that its rules were consistent with, among other things, the relative weights of the respective interests involved. So these are the precisely, precisely the sort of considerations, again, he writes, that legislative bodies often take into account when they draw lines that accommodate competing interests. That's in the legislative body. That's what they do, not a, not a court of law. The scheme, he writes, the scheme that Roe produced looked like legislation, looked like it, and the court provided the sort of explanation that might be expected from a legislative body. And he writes, an even more glaring deficiency was Roe's failure to justify the critical distinction it drew between pre- and post-viability abortions. The arbitrary viability line, which Casey termed Roe's central rule, has not found much support among philosophers and ethicists who have attempted to justify a right to abortion. The mo this continues the syllabus in Dobbs. The most obvious problem, it says, with any such argument is that viability has changed over time and is heavily dependent on factors such as medical advances and the availability of quality medical care that have nothing to do with the characteristics of a fetus. So now listen to this piece of it. The contending sides in this case make impassioned and conflicting arguments about the effects of the abortion right on the lives of women as well as the status of the fetus. So the contending sides, one, one side argues about the lives of women and the other, the status of the unborn child, the status of the fetus. 
He writes that, or the, the majority writes, the Casey majority's speculative attempt to weigh the relative importance of the interests of the fetus and the mother represent a departure from, quote, the original constitutional proposition that courts don't substitute their social and economic beliefs for the judgment of legislative bodies. This is all still in the syllabus. Then it wraps up with this before it actually opens the decision. Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. The court overrules those decisions and returns that authority to the people and their elected representatives. After that syllabus, the opening, folks, next comes the ruling, the opinion of the court, delivered again by Justice Samuel Alito. Good to just go over a few paragraphs of that opening, and then there will be more later. But for right now, how about the opening of Dobbs? It opens with these words. Abortion presents a profound moral issue. Some believe fervently that a human person comes into being at conception and that abortion ends in innocent life. Others feel just as strongly that any regulation of abortion invades a woman's right to control her own body and prevents women from achieving full equality. Still others in a third group think that abortion should be allowed under some but not all circumstances. And those within this group hold a variety of views about the particular restrictions that should be imposed. Again, opening paragraph of Dobbs. The next paragraph. For the first 185 years after the adoption of the Constitution, each state was permitted to address this issue in accordance with the views of its citizens. Then in 1973, this court decided Roe v. Wade. Even though the Constitution makes no mention of abortion, the court held that it confers a broad right to obtain one. It did not claim that American law or the common law had ever recognized such a right, and its survey of history ranged from the constitutionally irrelevant to the plainly incorrect. Now listen to this. Quote, in Dobbs, after cataloging a wealth of other information, having no bearing on the meaning of the Constitution, the Roe opinion concluded with a numbered set of rules, much like those that might be found in a statute, again, enacted by a legislature. Under this scheme, again, under this scheme, each trimester of pregnancy was regulated differently. But the most critical line was drawn at roughly the end of the second trimester, which notes this opinion, at the time corresponded to the point at which a fetus was thought to achieve, quote, viability. In other words, the ability to survive outside the womb. The court did not explain the basis for this line. And even abortion supporters have found it hard to defend Roe's reasoning. True. I can prove that in the days to come. It goes on to say in Dobbs, one prominent constitutional scholar wrote that he, quote, would vote for a statute very much like the one the court ended up drafting if he were a legislator. But his assessment of Roe was memorable and brutal. Roe was, quote, not constitutional law at all and gave almost no sense of an obligation to try to be. Wow. Then it notes this. At the time of Roe, 30 states still prohibited abortion at all stages. Have you ever heard that? And then it notes in the years prior to that decision, about a third of the states had liberalized their laws. But Roe, again, Roe v. Wade, abruptly ended that political process. See, that means uh, you, of, by, and for the people, ended the process for you and me, the political process. And it imposed the same highly restrictive regime on the entire nation. And it effectively struck down the abortion laws of every single state. This is in the Dobbs decision. 
It goes on to say, this is the last part of this, right? For now, Justice Byron Wright aptly put it in his dissent. The decision represented the, quote, exercise of raw judicial power, and it sparked a national controversy that has embittered our political culture for half a century. That's enough for now, because we're going to be going over it a lot, and in the days to come and weeks to come, and especially months to come. Hard as it is to believe for people who worked for and fought for the overrule of Roe, it is now overruled, overturned, and here we are. Some people on the uh, abortion activist side are calling for days of rage. But we now know what we didn't know at the time of Roe, and that is the ravages of abortion on women, men, families, and the country, even in the heat of the moment. In the thick of the fury and rage and about that, it's a time of healing, a time to think clearly and reason well, and to engage the culture every way we can, and to build up a truly just and humane culture. More on that next time. I hope you'll join me for that and bring others here in the forum.